Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. We're music lovers. We have a very fun show planned today, full of twists and turns and all kinds of good stuff. But before we get into it, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe and awaken the primordial algorithm. And uh, yeah, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your beloveds, and tell... An educator. An educator. That's good. That it's been the only good one I've had so far. <laughs> it's not a blacksmith, so <laughs> tell, tell your local baker. Uh, yeah, an educator. Tell an educator. Tell an educator. Why don't you tell them what we're what we're going to talk about today? I'll, I will educate we, uh, get the audience here. here. We are going to run down the musical news of the week, like we always do. Stay informed. Then we are going to review the new Sam Smith album. It is called Hold On. Gloria, that's what I thought it was called. Uh, and then in the second half of the show, we are going to give you a bit of an indie rundown. We have the new album review from King Tough. The artist is called, I mean, the album is called Small Town Stardust. And then we are going to give you a review of the Sub Pop records that we love because this album is being released on Sub Pop. Sub Pop is a classic indie label of the 90s. We'll tell you about it. We'll tell you our favorite releases. Alex, roll the theme song. This is Get in the Garage. Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. <laughs> the best. The best music podcast. The best music podcast ever created. Did ever you guys created. see that? I saw that. Somebody wrote that on the internet. <laughs> wow. It must be true. This is music news. <laughs> Starting off sad note. R.I.P. to the front man of television. Yes. We have featured here Marquis Moon, a great debut album. Uh, Tom Verlaine, 73 years old. Uh, New York City, post-punk, punk, mid-70s, beyond television. Great yeah. band, great front man. First, like, CBGB band, like, ever that existed. Uh, people flocked to CBGBs after television was born. Richard Hell, original member. Uh, he's not on any of the albums. They released their album in 77. Uh, Marky Moon, like Jeff said, is a classic record. I really just got into that record this year. Um, not really, like, as punk as everybody would like to claim television to be. They are CB's band, but they're more of, like, a classic rock band with a great edge. Uh, mm. And as Mike being not a punk guy, uh, he is enamored by all the guitar work on that record. I play it for him all the time. Yeah, fantastic guitar work. Jazzier. Great album. I had never really listened to them. I've always, I know the cover, right? I'm familiar with that album cover. Never really knew who it was or what it was and all that kind of stuff. Luke introduced me to them when he kind of started getting into them. And uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Great Great record. Uh, Mark, uh, you've been you know? enamored by the Marquee Moon, if you will. I have and, indeed, uh, yes. Two records in and out with television and uh, a little you know, solo career and some great records. And, I mean, classic. Check it out. Yeah, so rest uh, in peace. Also, I have another rest in peace for us before okay. we uh, head out of this segment here. Uh, rest in peace to Barrett Strong, uh, original Motown oh, artist and singer that. of oh, Money. Right. That's what I want. Uh, that song was covered by from everyone, like from the Beatles to beyond. Everybody covered "Money." It is a classic song. It's Motown's first hit song. Uh, Barrett Strong also went on to write with uh, further with uh, Motown later and worked with Norman Whitfield and The Temptations and went on to write a ton more hits with the uh, record label. I heard it through the Grapevine, Marvin Gaye, uh, Ball of Confusion, um, Papa was a Rolling Stone. Ever. Right, uh, yeah, Cloud yeah. Nine by the Temps. When did he die? I didn't. I didn't see. He that. died uh, this week, uh, <laughs> earlier this week. I believe it was uh, Monday. He passed away, mm. so it's very sad. I told Mike uh, earlier, and I was like, "Oh man, it's a real, real bummer," because uh, he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And um, I just want to also throw down that "Money" is one of the best songs of all time, and uh, yeah. probably fits the, you know the american spirit in a lot of ways so yeah look up yeah. like uh i'm sure there's playlists on spotify just look up barrett strong you'll see a, a string of songs that you recognize that he wrote for other people yeah, yeah. Uh, very uh, great very uh large uh presence in music so rest in peace barrett strong rest in peace uh i have some sad news as well guys what you got man the osman will not cometh anymore 
He has officially retired from touring because of his declining health. He also sustained like a neck injury and had some neck surgery that, uh, you know, and he's been through all kinds of rehabilitation processes and stuff to also help uh, treat his Parkinson's. Uh, he had to tour. Uh, he had to cancel like a whole tour with Judas Priest no because of this. No more tours. No more. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that, you. Very good. Um. Uh. But yeah, it's really sad. He um. He uh. He put out like a you know a formal statement and everything and talking about how you know he's he's very sad and upset that he has to do this and also you know refund money for people who had purchased tickets from show for shows and all that stuff. Um, but you know, I think I can speak on behalf of Ozzy Osbourne fans in the way that says, "Hey, man, thank you for the years that you gave us, and uh, it's all good. Take care. We love you." You know, yeah, so. it's a new age. Because think about it. Like you think about the lifespan of musician, especially a musician who's in the popular conscious. He is seventy-five years old. Yeah. So like the expectation that he is going to keep touring is kind of crazy to be right. Clear. Right. That yeah. Um, it's, and especially fronting a heavy metal yeah. band. It's one thing for like Paul Simon to go out there and be like. Here, yeah, right, here's right. me singing like a song, like right. you know, which is yeah. I love Paul Simon, but it's very oh, different than like being like you know, Mr. Crowley. Yeah, right. So and, I mean, really, of that sort. I mean, who's who else is doing it? That's part of that. Rob Halford probably know. is the only one of age that's yeah, probably yeah, probably that's yeah that's yeah, up there. Might. I mean, the guys from Iron Ian, Maiden, Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen, probably sure of same age as Ozzy. Yeah, Deep Purple still touring. Somewhat, I I, I haven't of. seen anything recently, but no. yeah. yeah. But um, so you know, very sad. And yeah, those best of luck th- to Ozzy. Those yeah. dates were from 2018, so we've been rescheduling for quite some time uh, now. Yeah, and he just um, can't. He just COVID, can't do all it. that stuff. Oh, yeah, so. and everything. So uh, Ozzy, you know, we salute you. We salute you, Ozzy. We love you. Take it easy. Take it easy. Uh, speaking of tours, mm. did you see uh, Beyonce, the Queen Bee herself, has? booked a tour the renaissance tour is going to happen the renaissance world tour 2023 mm. uh she's going all around and uh people are very very excited we will see if there is an issue with our favorite uh you know <laughs> ticket provider <laughs> yeah ticket provider ticket master so we'll see what happens there but um just wanted to you know shout that out beyonce's going on tour major th- news major album released last year yeah. number one we'll see if this uh brings in like a new kind of more era of like this album so yeah it'll probably have another you yeah know, like another, another breath another life of sure it. i do wonder about stuff like that though like with beyonce i i feel like she's got enough I don't know if this is the right word to, to use, but I feel like she's got like enough power or enough pull or something like that to where I don't see why she couldn't just. I mean, I'm sure venues, big stadiums, and stuff are like contractually obligated oh, ask, to use Ticketmaster and ask stuff. Ask Pearl Jam about it. They tried yeah. it in the '90s and nobody went with them, and they had to book like gym halls, and they were a huge rock mm. band in the '90s, and like you know, big gym Nate plate places people hadn't played before so yeah. there's no security there's no infrastructure there's no toy see what i'm I saying i just hope that you insurance know, i think that. what i'm saying is, is i just hope that we see like maybe a rise of you know alternative sort of show booking companies and stuff like that that maybe you know what i'm trying to say like well you can go to your local not with the, not with the stadiums man no the stadiums are there it's, it's and that's what beyonce plays and you gotta think about the overhead of her tours yeah, they're probably. She probably has a three hundred person crew, right? Because you got to think about all the people moving stuff, setting stuff up, and twenty backup dancers and a full, you know, production like crazy, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. But so we hope it gets better. Yeah, we hope it gets better, and uh, you know, stay uh, stay posted for some uh, some dates. Beyonce coming to some VFWs. Yeah, <laughs> your local Lions Club. Ten dollars at the door. <laughs> Fifteen day of. This ain't, 15 no, day up. this ain't no reggae party. Yeah. Um, um, in other news today, I believe, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, nominees for 2023 were announced. Do we want to do a thumbs up, thumbs down? Do they bl- Absolutely. belong? Absolutely. All right. Say it out loud. Kate Bush. I'm going in the middle. I'm going thumbs down. Okay. Yeah, Cheryl middle, Crow. Thumbs. thumbs up. I'll go Cheryl Crow. Big thumbs up on Cheryl okay. Crow. Missy Elliott. Big thumbs up for me. Big yes. thumbs up. Uh, Iron Maiden, big thumbs up for me. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Two giant <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, Joy Division, and strangely, it is a dash new order because they were two separate bands, but kind of similar. The same membership. band. I'm gonna give a shrug because I'm giving it. I'm uh, giving a neutral. I'm giving it a thumbs up. I'm giving a neutral because I like it, but I think yeah. it's too hipstery to be that important. Sure. Cindy Lauper, big impact in the '80s. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. 
She had like five songs. A bajillion thumbs up. Everybody knows. Uh, George Michael, huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Greek's finest. Thumbs up. I mean, he's, he's uh, fuck off Yanni. Yeah. We would take, we claim um, George Michael. George Michael rivaled Michael Jackson's success in Europe during the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Willie Nelson, I mean, what does it mean? Thumbs up, sure. A Whatever. bajillion thumbs yeah, up. Well, Willie Nelson's rock and roll. But the fact that like he is only, he's eligible for the first time this year. He's never, they've never put him up for this. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's, it's like, let him in. Uh, as yeah. Paul McCartney you should said, just have an honorary, open the door, yeah. let him in. Yeah. Rage Against the Machine, huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs, thumbs up. up. Double thumbs. Um, Soundgarden, double thumbs. Huge thumbs up. Uh, the Spinners. I'm going uh, neutral, I'm even going, though I'm a big. I'm going neutral. I'm a, big, I'm a big Spinners fan too. I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, the way you mess around with me. They had a few songs in that. <laughs> yeah, it's, 70s soul. Era. It's a uh, it's a real flat. Yeah. Tribe Called Quest, huge thumbs up. Thumbs like up. a bajillion thumbs up. Um, the White Stripes. Huge thumbs uh, up. A bajillion thumbs up. Yeah. And Warren's Yvonne. Thumbs down. Oh. Thumbs down. You got werewolves in London. Go get fucked. Come <laughs> on. Oh. <laughs> uh, werewolves. And Warren's Yvonne. Uh, you're a big Elvis Costello guy. Uh, Warren Zevon is a, a great like artist, and like yeah. everybody knows kind of more like the musician's musician, if yeah. you will, of that time period. Yeah. But. You know who was the driving it's force? It's Werewolves of London, and that's it for everybody. And that's where well, that's just, for everybody. That's for everybody, and that's where like if you say Warren Zevon, like most people cannot yeah. name you one other. Song. Well, well, werewolves of what London. about Elvis Costello though? Oh, or like, or Harry Nielsen. Like I, these are artists I put in the same kind of like world, you know? Oh, uh, I Nick Drake, like people yes, like that, you know? All they're that all... is they're not Amer. Well, see, Elvis Costello is a bit more because we have a bit more hits. Peace, sure. love, and understanding. And you have Allison. So uh, I'm going to give you those two. Allison gets played okay. in classic rock radio. And Peace, Love, and Understanding, people know that one. You got yeah. two songs. <laughs> as opposed to one song. I have twice this. You know who led the campaign to get Warren Zevon in, uh, into the Hall of Tom Fame? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh, I heard Billy Joel. Tom Cruise. Because <laughs> he has that great scene in Color of Money where he sings Werewolves of London. Oh. Uh, right. um, yeah. Musician, musician. I'm saying thumbs up because of the song right huh? now. Who was the- uh, Billy Joel. Billy Joel was like, Warren needs to be in. Billy Joel, the poor man's Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> the, working, the working man's Elton John. John. <laughs> He's got a brown um, Controversial statements in this music. So, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, inductees, it has to be 25 years past their first commercial release. Um, you can vote online. Look up the website yourself. We all have the internet. Uh, voting <laughs> is until April 28th, my birthday. Uh, inductees will be announced in May, and the ceremony will be this fall. Should be interesting. And yeah, there's some names on there. The first time, first time are Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, Joy Division, New Order, uh, Cindy Lauper, George Michael, Willie Nelson, uh, White Stripes, and Warren Zevon. So like Rage hasn't got in, Iron Maiden hasn't got in, Tribe Called Quest hasn't gotten in. Yeah. Tribe Called Quest, very important. But I don't think there's a limit on how many times they can be eligible. I think no, it's just, people get. Uh, it's like Rush, right? Rush yeah. was on the ballot for 14 years, and then they got in or whatever. Is yes. there a limit for it's, how many they can induct in a year? Mm, not I, that I know of. No, sometimes uh, they do more and sometimes they do less. Yeah. Depending. Well, because you have like the main ones, and then you've got like the like, second tier inductees, the legend yeah. ceremony, yeah, whatever, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they, I believe this is. Like from the category of artists, because we announce every year who gets in, and there's like the production side of things. There's like the agents and manager type of wing. Yeah, it goes all over know. the place. Yeah. Do you guys have any <clears throat> more pressing music news? Uh, I don't have no, something don't. that's pressing, but I have something that's I think is stupid. Let's hear it. Um, so <laughs> Zara Larsson, who is a like pop star singer, Swedish yeah. pop star singer, wore a Burzum T-shirt. This is my new- news for all my metalheads out there. Burzum, for those who don't know, is a one-man band by uh, a man who goes by the name of Varg Vikernes. He is a convicted murderer and neo-Nazi, and he had this album. He had this band called Burzum. Yeah, <laughs> thumbs way down. Uh, and he was also behind uh, church burnings in uh, Norway hey. during the rise of Norwegian black metal. Allegedly, allegedly. No, he was. Con- <laughs> well, the, he was a convicted murderer. Sorry, but the 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 what's that larceny was uh, alleged, I suppose. Um, but you know, and it just goes to show you, guys. If you don't know who these bands are, don't wear the shirts because you think they look cool. Because uh, next thing you know, you're wearing a shirt that represents an artist who is yeah. a neo-Nazi and a convict, uh, convicted murderer. So just do a little bit of research. I'm surprised with her, though, because 
she's from Sweden and Sweden and Norway it's like you know it's they're right th- they're neighbors and it's, everybody in Sweden maybe she's pro barzum <laughs> maybe she's is that like Nazi? is that like <laughs> punk people in America like negative wearing like a Charles Manson negative right. approach shirt? Is that like controversy to be controversial? I guess, I but it's like weird for a fashion. pop star. It's like when you see like <laughs> fashion, fashion, <laughs> fashion. Get fashion. it? Get it? Fat, fascist, fascist. Yeah. So I just it's that stuff where I'm like, my God, people just like know what band T-shirts you're wearing. It's like when the Kardashians wore the Slayer t-shirt and stuff you so, know it's yeah but slayer didn't ever kill anybody they did scream god hates us all before we leave music news i need <laughs> yeah. to show you guys the new smoky robinson oh, album. did you see the name of it and show it to jeff pass that phone oh the smoke show i'll put it down for you guys right here i needed to uh Yo, show that who does you guys. his work man he looks smoky good for robinson's new album is called gasms gasms as in eargasms um, but you're, you guys are staring orgasms. at the front cover right now. His eyes are so piercing blue, and it's kind of frightening. <laughs> the album's called Gasms. Um, but it was a big press release. It was on every His single music so website. Tight. Very tight. And um, <laughs> it's a modern R&B <laughs> production record. So kind of fascinating that Look The Smoke that. Show is putting out such a great uh, modern record. And uh, it's a weird title, and I wanted everybody to see it. He's got Gasms. Those, he's got that. He's got boat like is that boat that is he no, looks he is wearing he looks Michael like he Jackson's has plastic face, surgery right? like yeah but even the, the I'm not impressed with the work on his mouth though because he has kind of, he kind of has like smoker's mouth he's got that probably kind of did thing going on he's smoky man he's the smoky he's, he's smoky Robinson no, he's, a, he's like eighty years old man yeah oh well, my good God. for him I mean he looks great for eighty I so just wanted shout to, uh, to shout out the fun gasms 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 so uh, check that out the yeah. face the face on the cover should have been this yeah, I, I know right <laughs> that's thank you Jeff thank you. It's also known as the climax. Real quick, if we can do rapid fire. Rapid fire, let's hear uh, it. Rapid fire, Dr. Dre's The Chronic will be back on streaming, streaming services Ooh. for its 30th anniversary. That's fun. That's cool. Yay. Keep an eye out for that. Ellen John announces Honky Talk Chateau's 50th anniversary. It's no Yellow Brick Road, but, you know, it's going to have a, lo- a bunch oh. of previously unreleased <laughs> demos. The, way better than Yellow Brick Road. The honky cat himself. It says here. you. Um, oh, also, real quick, legal news to backpack on Luke's news Last week, OK Go finally released a comment on the serial lawsuit and said, uh, have you ever have have you ever had your name stolen by a multi-billion dollar food processing Goliath? Here's how it goes. One, they apply for a trademark uh, on the name you've been using for 25 years. Two, you, uh, you send a letter asking them to pick a different name, please. Three, they sue you in federal court. So we'll see where this goes. Um... According to Post, this breakfast food is, quote, ready to rock. So, you know, I don't know. Are they uh, are they kind of nana-banana-booing uh, the band OK Go? I don't know. We'll see. Also, who eats OK Go cereal? I have never eaten it. I've never eaten it either. Uh, down I'm a with- Kellogg's man, okay? Post can fuck off. Down with Post cereal, up no. with rock and roll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is off the rails fully. This has yeah. been music news. This has been music news. All right. Moving on to our Moving first on. new record review of the day. We're reviewing the latest from Sam Smith. The record is called Gloria. It is Sam Smith's fourth studio album, yep. first in uh, like two and a half years. They released one in 2020 that I was not even aware that had been released. But it was a pandemic, and mm. it was released, I think, in the fall of 2020. Um, Sam Smith, known for the big hits... Um, Stay Damn, With but, Me, yep. or Stay is, might be the title, uh, featured on the song La La, featured on the song Latch by Disclosure, um, known for having that smoky uh, kind of masculine, feminine, androgynous type of singing voice, that very like British soul sound. Um, and they are, you know, I don't know if it's a comeback necessarily, but I've been, I've been seeing them make the rounds doing the publicity tour and yep. the Zane Lowe and all that stuff. And... Uh, very proud of their new record. What do you guys think about this record? I thought that this was definitely a comeback record. For me, Sam Smith starts off with the Stay With Me song, and it's kind of like the sad adult contemporary, um, you know, soulful thing, like you were saying. And it was kind of that, and it, that was a big smash hit, but um, it kind of lingered, like, and then... There wasn't really a big like push through second big single uh, to make like that pop 
echelon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then this fall, we started hearing on TikTok and on the internet. <laughs> oh, and, did we? Uh, on Catatonic Youth's page. Check out uh, <laughs> them on Instagram. Oh, so yes. um, I started hearing a ton of covers and normal versions of everybody listening to Unholy. And this song kind of crept back in and I think has really made uh, Sam Smith just the ultimate pop moment right now. And it's a huge song. The record is definitely uh, in the zone of Unholy, but goes to a bunch of different places. Uh, Every song kind of has its own production values and kind of song structures. Some songs are dancey. There's some acoustic stuff on here. Um, it's very textured in a lot of ways, mm. but um, I found some faults with it. But what what do you think? All right, kind of right off the bat. Yeah, up front, I wasn't really like a huge fan of this record because you know I listened to this and I couldn't help but think like, okay, maybe I don't connect with this because it's not really for me. But then like the more that I listened to the record and. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same thing on Apple Music as it is on Spotify, but we've mentioned it before that Spotify has, I think, I don't know if it's limited to the to the mobile only, but Spotify has these sort of Instagram story-like mm. things, and it goes track by track, and Sam, uh, Sam Smith describes everything. And after kind of like diving deeper into this, what I found was was although this album does focus quite a bit of on like the sort of you know, queer experience in the United States or really worldwide for that matter. Um, I found that these songs could actually really apply on sort of like meta levels, if I'm using the word meta right. There's a lot of moments on here where I'm like, oh, I've kind of felt that way or I've kind of experienced that before. And even though, you know, Sam Smith and I, you know, the way we identify and the way and all that sort of stuff isn't the same. I found there was uh, sort of a lot of common ground on this record where I was able to relate to it a little bit more. And that in that way, I found myself liking the album a little bit more, even though the the um, the type of music that it is is the type of music that I don't necessarily connect to with very much. But on the broader spectrum of it, I was like, oh, no, I, now I kind of like this album a little bit more, you know. And that's kind of where I was, too. I found that the messaging of this record was kind of – I really liked the messaging of it. It was a lot of self-expression. The um, lead track on the album, uh, Love Me More, is a song about self-love and how uh, you need to love yourself more and give time for yourself and – I thought that over like a smooth R&B kind of thing worked really well. It wasn't that kind of mid-tempo acoustic guitar piano ballad where the voice kind of hangs in the phrasings. This was more, you know, like more groovy, more soulful. I really like that. That song was, I mean, it was following the format of Stay With Me, of I'm Not The Only One, where it was, it's that mid-tempo, it's that light gospel that ooze and ahs choir thing so that was like right off the bat i'm going well stick with what you know and stick with what's been successful and it is a good song i think it's one of the best songs on the record yes simple songwriting but well done you yeah. are right it does have that like simple structure yeah. for me where i was like this is a little bit more like interesting though was it added uh, the that organ that gave it more of like the church vibe which is what this record is really push pulling it's a lot of like religious um you know pull on the queer and you know lgbt community and it's kind of has all that playing with it and where it has like the organ that's why i was like oh that's where i liked it a little more it was a little more thoughtful for me on that kind of uh, aspect of it Hmm. um Lots of variety on this record too. It's how did you feel about the variety um, of it? Because that's what I was going to bring up next. Where you have like the uh, Calvin Harris song "I'm Not Here to Make Friends," which is sounds yep. very different from every song in the record. Yeah, it was. Um, so I think it's what thirteen tracks, thirty three minutes. So it it goes by quickly. But there's the light gospel soul type stuff. There's the strummy, just acoustic guitar type stuff. I think there's like two tracks like that. There's that. Um, dancey not mm. not house but like you know that house light dance music type of anthem songs um unholy is more in that like aggressive pop hip-hop crossover type of realm um so to me it was like 
it was an uneven listen because I just like w- just when I feel like oh I'm enjoying what you're doing Sam Smith they just like go in a completely different turn and then I'm like well now I'm in now I'm going to this mood or yeah, whatever yeah. like it doesn't kind of stay in one thing there's no like I feel like it's weird pacing to me but also I mean they are like they're kind of like my age right I think Sam Smith's like I mean, I think they're 31, maybe something right. like that. And I, but maybe this is an album for the TikTok generation where pacing doesn't give a, f- it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's just that's, put out your songs and put them in the order you want to put them in. That's how I uh, felt a little bit. I kind of was like, this seems like an album of singles, but at the same time, it had that all like linking together pieces of the, the church and the, their experience their and experience. viewpoints of you, yeah. Yeah, um, there's that overarching, like, sort of Catholic theme going Catholic in. Thing. But and I, yeah. hits the highest note on the second-to-last track, Gloria, where it's basically like a, mm. um, how would you describe it? Like yeah, a it's, it's, like a, it's like a Catholic hymn, yeah, sort of um, thing. To, about, you know, like, the experience. And it's that song, to me, is, like, it's different from every other song, but works more with, like, things like Unholy, because it has that, it fits together, even thematically, though yeah. thematically, yeah. even though yeah. they're very different. Um, and so that kind of stuff, I, I more likely outrageous pop stuff. So mm-hmm. I liked like unholy mm-hmm. and uh, gimme, which was in the same kind yeah, of yeah. Okay. of unholy. That and, was in Jamaica, that one too, right? Yes, unholy and gimme were recorded like in the same session, and I mm-hmm. tended to like the the Jamaican sessions. Yeah. Um, if you go in the Instagram story, um. They talk about oh, it. Oh, see, I didn't watch that. Yes. Yeah, it's worth thing. a watch. That's it's a worth Spotify a watch. little yeah. slideshow thing. Yeah. Yes, and it, and it gave kind of mm. tell to, like, the album was recorded in, like, different spots. Mm. And it's yeah. kind of, like, more of, like, a year in the life than, you know, and I mm. think he was kind of going for that. But it also has the thematic thing. And so, for me, the that was the most uneven kind of thing about it. Even though, like, the songs weren't, like, necessarily, like, that bad or, like, mm. you know what I mean? Weren't, like, the worst thing yeah. on earth. Um yeah. yeah, I like the. I will say I did connect a little bit with that sort of Catholic guilt thing because you know I grew up Greek Orthodox Christian and I and I and I've I've felt some of that sort of you know Christian guilt and all that stuff. Obviously, not for the same reasons as Sam Smith was feeling them, but for reasons of my own. Uh, and I I kind of like that push pull with that. I did like the idea of sort of like you know taking that power back and just kind of being like. You know, just because religious or Catholic people, you know, believe what they believe in, they don't own those ideas. And it's like you can own your own ideas, but still like have faith. And I felt that that message kind of came through a little bit as well for me on this record. Because if you watch those Instagram stories, Sam Smith is like, this isn't about religion. This is about faith. And I found that kind of an interesting thing to be like no 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 no. it's not about religion it's about faith so you know you 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 have religious people but then you have like faithful people and i think distinguishing the difference between those two was kind of like sam smith being like no i can still be comfortable with who i am and and like look back on this and sort of like have a different looking back you know what i'm trying to say it's like flip it's like turning turning the the religion thing on its own head and being like no you can work I can work with you or you. I can make you work for me, which is experience that I had, you know, seven, eight years ago where I was kind of feeling that way about my faith and my religion and stuff. And I kind of worked with it and, and came to, uh, you know, into good terms with it, but like on my terms kind of thing. So I thought that was sort of an empowering message, you know? Yeah, I, I think like the, the messaging of the record is really clear and like... I like the this is what I'm feeling I'm writing personally that was good it's just I think my biggest thing with it like Jeff said was the uneven listening and the uh, choices in the song production from track to track yeah yeah also I also think just as as an artist in general Sam Smith's trajectory is so similar to um, the the trajectory that seal had in the 90s if you remember the singer Seal, Seal broke uh, in, I believe, in London, definitely in England, as the featured singer on a couple different house electronic type of tracks where he's the front person of it, but he's a featured, just like <coughs> Sam Smith did for that Latch song, for the La La song. And then Seal's voice was so new 
and different that he became like fully saturated into a lot of you know he had three or four big songs over his first two albums yeah but then it kind of like burned out because people were like we get it we like what you do seal we like the voice but like we can't hear that voice and everything and to me sam smith same thing they have a very distinct voice that very cool masculine feminine mix type of thing um but like i get a little tired by the voice mm. after 35 minutes of songs because i i wish they had maybe some more colors in the voice well the thing uh, is is that good voice but doesn't they've got do a great voice me. but it's how many of these like <laughs> like run things because that's peppered yeah. in all over this where it's that stuff yeah. so i hear you man it's it, it you, you can get a little bit fatigued with it after after a while but mm. 33 minutes I didn't feel like it was too much. Yeah. No. But it was like just, I had my just, fill. Just I enough. had my fill. Uh yeah, it's it's the the whole like I kinda wish they just like went with one kind of style of like this album is more like dancey or this album is sure. more like all outrageous pop. Yeah, a little bit more focused in, honed in on one particular Because, like I do like when they go like, you know, the stylized in, but it's mm. it was too yeah. The monks screaming about so, the body shop. <laughs> so uh, ratings, you want to give uh, do do a quick uh, get in the garage ratings for this record? Yeah, start it off, Luke. Uh, I am going to rate this record a six. I like the big single "Unholy." I like "Gimme." I think if you are, you know, looking if you like like kind of more adult contemporary, you're looking for some good like. There's some mid-tempo stuff on here, some dancey stuff. There's definitely a lot of, like, personal emotional stuff on here. So if you're looking to get, like, emotional with your music, mm -hmm. this is a record for you. Um, and for all the reasons I said, I think this is a six. Right on. Uh, I'll, ooh, I'll go six, five. Pitch this fork. record, Pitchfork. Oh, no. If, if I was uh, 6.4 and three quarters. Uh, six, five for me, I don't. Although, we, you know, we've listened to a lot of pop records in the last year and, you know, I kind of have found what I like in pop and what I'm not really like, what I don't really like very much in pop. Musically, it's not really my thing for this record. The message behind it, though, I love a good story. Uh, you know, I love all that stuff. I love the Phoenix sort of rising from the ashes sort of thing. So the message behind it is good is great but the music itself is not necessarily for me six five. are you all about uh the messaging of body shop well where would you where do you think i was before i came here doing something <laughs> <unholy>. <laughs> um like likewise uh i enjoy the the career arc and the progression and the steps that they take to make their music more personal and more um like that open experience of sharing their gender identity not struggles but journey and experience um but musically, for me, if it's a pop record and I'm going to love it, it has to be like smacking me in the face good. So for me, this is a 6.5. Right on. Because well, there's there good songs it. on it. I like the opener. I like Lose You, which is that dancey track. I like How to Cry, which is the acoustic guitar song. Yeah. Um, oh, that, yeah. Was my, that was my least favorite before we leave. Oh, though. okay. So. Was it really? Oh, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Very much. And I like that song, too. Yeah. Quick, quick song shout outs. Same thing. Love Me More. Liked it. Uh, no God, I like that one too. I like that hurting interlude that was pretty interesting because that's like from the perspective, sure. you know, of a homosexual who is like, it's really, really hard being a homosexual because like if you have your heart broken, you can't like just go tell your brother because you're not really accepted by the people around you. So I thought that was interesting uh, and good. And uh, I actually didn't mind the Ed Sheeran song either. Sounds like this is more of a seven for you than Mike. I think it is more of a seven because like, you we're really talking this up. 6.7. 6.7. I think Mike got a little more out of this record than he thought he was going to. I did. I did. I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah. uh, good on you, Sam Smith. Thank yeah. you. So anyway, let us know what you guys think. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you like Sam Smith? Do you not like Sam Smith? Also, the love yourself message is so important, and I'm so glad it is a, such a big part of society in general in 2023. Yeah, of course. Especially in art and pop music, because when we were growing up, it was like... I'm angry and fuck everything, and it's all about white guys and you know. nihilism. Yeah. I'm so glad it's not like nihilism. Yeah, right, people using the f word, and I'm not right. talking about fuck. right. Right. Uh, so I'm so yes. glad we're in a different world where this kind of music by this kind of artist is like heralded. Yeah, it has there. a place to yeah. thrive and right. yeah, and and be in popular culture for sure. Yeah, absolutely, um, and you know it has us reviewing it, so you know yeah, yeah right. for sure. So uh, all right, let's take a quick break. 
we'll come back. New album review, some sub pop. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around, guys. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers. Welcome back to part two of this exciting episode. Yes, we have a, another music review. We do. For you today. We are going to review King Tough in his new album, Small Town Stardust. His Majesty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we have my some leash, wonderful. King, we have a King Tough record over here. Uh, King Tough is from Brattleboro, Vermont, uh, New England's own over here. So we're going to claim that one. Good job, King Tough. Um, so from Vermont, King Tough released Was Dead in 2008. That was a series of recordings he had made kind of previously and then released them. It was a underground garage rock classic. It really put him into the you know garage rock like echelon if you will uh check out sun medallion from that record really great and he then got signed to sub pop released uh a self-titled and then the black moon spell um took a break for a couple years and then in 2018 released the album the other which is somewhere over there behind jeff uh, that album was kind of lost the garage rock flavor that King Tough had. Uh, during the break, he kind of got a bit more danceable, a bit more introspective with his lyrics. And um, we've had another big break since then. And uh, the new album, Small Town Stardust, is out. It's away from the garage rock, garage punk flavor that he was famous for. And uh, I think it's a uh, new King Tough era. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. What did you guys think about this record? Jeff, would you like to listen? I have off? never, ever listened to this artist before. Um, he's someone that you guys are familiar with, and I, so I've only listened to this one record, so I have no point of comparison, but I like this record. Um, I found it a mix of kind of not, like, not powerful power pop and some maybe not lo-fi necessarily, but like some homemade type recording styles. Uh, it seemed to be somewhat like early John Lennon's solo mm. career influence and type of songwriting structures and sound. Um, it also was a little bit seasonally depression-y for me to listen to at the last week of January, but it was still a good <laughs> record. Uh, but there were three or four songs where I'm like, ah, let's get through this one. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. I, I did enjoy this record as well. Uh, it is a step away. I really fell in love with King Tough uh, with the album Black Moon Spell, which is a bit more of a harder-hitting sort of rock fuzzy sort of... More of like the stoner rock song. on more Garage. The, yeah, that's, it's more in line with like the Ty Seagulls and stuff like that. This was kind of a left turn for me, or I should say for him in, in that regard. Uh, it's 11 songs. It's 38, just over 38 minutes long. Not super long, but it's 38, so it's a substantial, uh, I think, album length. Same thing that Jeff said, too. I heard a lot of Beatles influence, a lot of John Lennon specifically influence. I heard some Pink Floyd peppered in there. I heard a little Fleetwood Mac maybe peppered in there as well. Great guitar work. Uh, you know, I think all around. Interesting orchestration, too. There's a lot of, like, strings and stuff. I heard some horns, uh, cool keyboard, synthy parts as well cool microphone sound like filter sounding things and stuff too i thought it was an interesting record and definitely uh you know a, in certain regards uh his capability for writing love songs has improved well yes i that's something i really noted with this release um you have songs like how i love on here and um pebble in the stream and pebble in the stream is really like the most affronting love song i think on this record before King Tough was really only capable of like writing a song like often Black Moon spell called I Love You Ugly, which is not it's funny and it's kind of, it's tongue in cheek and yeah. it's not serious in any nature. It's jangly um, and yeah, kinda every on the other you really start to see King Tough start to write more personally, but that's still on like a little bit on the outside. This record like he wrote a love song about like actually how he feels about something like you can tell yeah and it's a noted difference you get to connect to who king tough really is as a person because before you had this kind of like um like kind of like rock candy like uh gremlin kind of <laughs> character he would play yeah, and he did it really right. is. and it was it was played up and it was like know me and it was all like very much like a character of yeah. like that garage rock thing like buttons everywhere all that this is like you have a lot of 
uh, love letters to plants. He's talking about what he's doing in his house, in his garage. He's oil painting. This is who he is. This is how he loves. Um, and for me, that artistic step forward is like leaps and bounds where like most people can only conceptually like kind of maybe do that band where it's like an idea and it's a character and you can kind of this is this is artistic growth on a level that i don't really think most artists make the connective jump to because in my head um king tough was is like kind of done after the garage rock this is a new era I agree, yeah. He came out, he's got a beard now, he's painting and stuff like that. I love songs like Portrait of God, you know, where he's like, "Could do you imagine what God looks like, you know, and he's describing how he's painting a portrait of God. That, to me, has some great guitar work that's reminiscent of Fat Old Son, that Pink Floyd song, off of, oh, God, not Obscured by Cloud. Metal. Uh, no. It's Obscured by Clouds. It's right. Obscured by Clouds. Uh, I found that. I also like even the song uh, How I Love You, which has that sort of Roger Watersy style bass thing. The doom, do 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 doom, 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 That's kind of like Adam Hart Mother-esque sounding. Like, Fat Old Son's from Adam Hart Mother, by the way. Oh, thank Correction. you. That's what it is. Yeah. So um, so there's that. Even the song Tell Me, that, that sort of like layered vocal thing, I didn't get to really look into. It's kind of vi- like there's some of the hits that are on this album there's like lyrics for it and stuff like that available i couldn't really find anything really really heavy into like who was on this record and the production and all that kind of stuff at least i wasn't able to find a lot of that stuff tell me i don't know if that is a female vocalist that's there with him but it, it sounds like it It sounds like it right um and it's definitely um, not him. yeah that's what i was i was like is this is, this, is he harmonizing but i didn't think so but that was but that's my, like fleetwood mackie and I, it's singer that was song, my favorite Sydney, track and that's what i mean it's just such a good such a good uh song yeah and like a good like just good flavor good feel like it yeah and uh, if I have like one criticism of this record, um, I'm gonna like shout out uh, too many <laughs> lyrics about pebbles and streams and rivers and brooks and like like nature water. There's too many like water nature references on this album for me. It's almost like every. I need more. You I have, need more. I need more. You have pebbles in the stream. Uh, small town stardust references a uh, like sitting in the river. Uh, I want a whole think- album that is a love letter to plants. So oh, every yeah. track is about different plants. That's what I want. Hydrangeas. Uh, but yeah, I I really liked how it like. Some of the lyrics come off as a bit like quirky and like um kind of like I mean look yeah. at this dude yeah. okay yeah. where is he right here they come off as like quirky and a bit like you know kind of but um I think yeah. they kind of the more you listen to this record the more you kind of grow into it and you get into the vibe of like what's going on and yeah. um it's a pretty pretty good record it w- I would say um there is definite flavors of all those sixties um light psychedelia stuff that we mentioned yeah um there was a lot of brian wilson style stuff on this without not the maximalist uh, army of didgeridoo brian wilson but um just in the kind of vibe of things and and kind of like the childlike wonder type of view of it and that kind of like we're just i'm just making a pretty song like yeah. Kind of like a thrown off thing, and it actually is like a very nice song. Like um, the what you what was that song? Called? Uh, Portra- Tell me, Portrait of God. Oh, Portrait of God. Um, yeah, yeah. The song, uh, the bandits of blue sky, which I don't know if it's the closer, but it's near the end. It's uh, near second the end. to last song. But that yeah. one, that one was very much like you know if if David Bowie had written a song with Brian Wilson type of yeah yeah you know, that, and like, like with the cool string arrangement and some horns and stuff. Yeah, and how like de- like from what I gathered from it, it's almost kind of like if depression. Was in, it was embodied by bandits, and the bandits are here to steal the happiness, which is like the blue sky. So sure. the sky is always gray, that kind of thing. Like I'm into that sort of stuff. Uh, that song also, the blue sky gave me like ELO kind of like <laughs> right. uh, yeah, of vibes course. to yeah. it too, and I I like that. I think this record was a uh, just a major growth. It's not like the most profound thing on earth, but it's a good good lazy time and kind of like yeah. some good feels and some i'll tell you what when i listened to this record like for the first time i listened to it twice through and i was like i was sitting on the floor in my living room and my son and i were like playing with cars and stuff and i found it to be a great listen when it's just like yeah it's it's a it's a monday night you know what i mean you got like the fought you know you got you like it's nice and you're in some cozy sweatpants and stuff and you put it on you can kind of curl up and like sort of like you know, turn the television off and just put an album on and just like be with each other. 
this is a nice soundtrack to a nice night like that. Agree. We- this is small town stardust. This is the sound of living in a small town as we all do, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the feeling of it for sure. And that was this whole thing because I think when I had spoken about it when they when the uh, album was announced and the singles initially came out, the whole thing is is like he's moved back to Vermont. I think absolutely. Yeah, and he's kind of just doing his own thing in his small town. So it does. It it sounds like an album that was kind of like written and recorded in like a buddy's home studio out in the middle of the woods in, you know, Bennington, Vermont or something like that, you know? So you so, love that place. Oh, I'm a Burlington guy, but <laughs> Bennington, you gotta go visit Robert Frost, man. Come on now. Everything closes in Bennington at seven PM though. So just night. so you just so you know, we met a crazy man with a musketeer mustache there once. It was wild night. Um, but very, very cool. Yeah, there's nothing to do in Benning. But it's, like, it's a beautiful town. But that's uh, too is the whole like he grew as an artist by returning home instead of like going. You know what I mean? Since yeah, like he could that stagnating right. like garage rock scene that he was in. This record right. is not garage rock at all in any the aspect. closest thing i think it gets to is the song small town stardust where that i felt like it that was because like it has that blown out acoustic thing but still that's more but, like an artsy choice at that point but yeah but even that right there's no i don't think there's any actual drums on that it's just like the chugging like sort of guitar going to and that's like the piano sort of hammering out yeah. horns under uh the uh, chords underneath it so, so. i it had the you know it's a um like a bit paul mccartney's ram if you will yeah, like that's the I got home, that vibe too. Homespun, yeah. good feeling, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, King Tough. King album Tough. Album review is, uh, you guys want to do numbers? Yeah, Rating? Sure. Jeff, you want to start with you? So we, we went, we went to, this way first. Yeah, I am saying it's a seven with room to grow. Mm. Yeah, I'll give it a seven five. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I'm a Black Moon Spell guy though, <laughs> but I did like this album a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a um, seven point eight. Very uh, oh, no, pitchforky pitch there. Mm. I really, as I said, love the growth of King Tough. I hope he makes more records where he keeps exploring new sounds and new uh, adventures. I really am into this. Um, so yeah, I give it a seven eight. Um, there's a couple of things that are like a bit passy by on here, so yeah. that's why it's not a uh, full fridge. But yeah, man. <coughs> King right on. Tough. King Tough. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Small Town Stardust. And moving on, yes. we are going to list our favorite sub-pop releases. The album we just reviewed was a sub-pop release. He's been on sub-pop for a minute. Um, sub-pop Records has a rich history founded by Bruce Pavitt in the earlier 80s as a magazine called Subterranean Pop. By the time you got to number five, he was releasing cassettes with that. In 1986, he released a compilation called the Sub Pop 100, and that is the first Sub Pop release. Um, Just to shout out a couple of bands that have released on Sub Pop, Nirvana is probably the biggest, their debut album. We have uh, like The Shins, Iron and Wine, King Tough, and we are going to talk about many more here. Mud Honey, all that good stuff. Yep. They're one of the most important independent labels of the 90s when they grew in and really had their influence rain down upon Seattle and Seattle the world. Sound. Yeah. yeah. Brought the, what, you know, the Motown sound. It was the 90s sound, the uh, Seattle sound, and it came straight out of sub pop records and everything that they did to create their scene. Yeah. Um, Anything to add before we uh, kind of get into it here? Yeah, as I understand it, I, I watched like a couple of small clips and stuff like that. And Bruce and then John Poneman, the other uh, yes. the other guy that, that helped create Sub Pop and all that stuff. It's pretty wild to hear them talk about what it was like. They almost went bankrupt within the first month. Uh, from what I hear, there was a lot of resentment from Kurt Cobain of Nirvana because, you know, they were kind of doing their own thing and trying to build the brand and the approach that they took was a little bit different in the way that most record labels at that time would, you know, the record label's the record label and then you'd push the artist. They kind of flipped it a little bit in the way of being like, well, no, the record label is the thing and we also have artists. And there was a bit of struggle that went on. I know that Kurt Cobain went 
unpaid for a long, long time. Flash forward, that's why he ended up going to Geffen Records, because his pals in Sonic Youth were basically like, you're great, you should say fuck these guys and go to Geffen Records. That's where he, you know, he ends up leaving going to Geffen Records. But um, they're still receiving royalties from Bleach anyway, and that was kind of the thing that saved them. They kind of had a lull where they went into business with Warner Brothers Music Company. I believe it was a 49-51 split with Warner Music. I think still is. Still is, yeah, still is. Uh, they had a bit of a lull, and then things kind of revved back up for them, I think, when that first Shins record came out, and that was kind of like the sub-pop renaissance, if you will. Yeah, we had a, a 2000s renaissance. You had a lot of uh, bigger bands back on the label or big bands making a scene in, uh, in the early 2000s. You had uh, the, the Pulse of Surfaces give up. You had Iron and Wine, That's the right. Shins, um, a real collaborative effort that really brought the label back into its prominence. And I think also with the rise of, of vinyl records and uh, coming back into collection, I think that really help the label push its uh its narrative and image forward also yeah. uh furthermore fleet foxes and father john misty have only made the label more uh you know modern and of times with uh the yeah. young people as of a couple years ago I yeah mean, we and listen to those the big influence really for them was to try to be you know they love the idea of like the funk brothers at motown and you know stuff like that and that's what they really were set out to to do anyway was to create this label that was like a hit factory and everything like that like luke alluded to earlier you have the motown sound you got the seattle sound man and it's uh it is the seattle sound you know uh and further before we really get past this uh they never really did create like a hit factory but what they did more or less was create a style factory where they were pushing out some of the most culturally um pushing music and what people thought was cool and stylish and the new hip thing it was probably on you know this label kind of first and then you know they're one of the few record labels that come to people's mind when they think of Indie, indie rock music. for the past 30 years the irony of it is though is the fact that though that though they are credited to this sort of seattle sound and all of that kind of stuff by the time the the 90s you know bit your pearl jams your alice in chains your you know and so on and so those forth. guys all jumped to major they all jumped yeah. to major labels yeah so that was kind of like the ironic thing about it was it was like they were kind of the band that curated everything and then once it catapulted into the mainstream and you were literally seeing like fashion magazines in like the grunge garb if you will million copies of records. um yeah. you know by that time yeah they were all signed to major record labels but the big defining moment for sub pop that put them on was uh i can't remember the journalist's name but he was a, a journalist from the uk who came to seattle to check out the scene published an article in the uk and that's really where sub pop started kind of like becoming like an actual thing because the english folks were turned on to sub pop and then it was like america was like oh this is we have this thing you know it's like once again the english uh reintroducing american culture to americans for us to just discover something that was there the whole time so So, getting down to that sub pop what are our favorite sub pop releases do you want to go first sure um counting down uh, my number five is a kind of recent release from 2015, an album I listened to a lot in the year it came out, and I hadn't revisited really since then, but that is the, I believe it's the second studio release by Father John Misty. It's called I Love You, Honey Bear. My number four is from 1994. This is like the forefather of all the emo music that I cut my teeth on in the early 2000s, and this is Sunny Day Real Estate's debut album, Diary which uh, at that time, Sunny Day Real Estate contained two members, the bassist and drummer, who would go on to join Foo Fighters. The bass player, Nate Mandel, is still in Foo Fighters. Um, but yeah, if you like bands like Taking Back Sunday and... Thursday and Sunny Day Real Estate guy. I didn't I didn't think I didn't peg Jeff for it. Yeah, I mean it's an album that I haven't listened to in straight up fifteen years, but going back that's like most of these albums I hadn't listened to since college days. Um but going back to it, like that is the blueprint for all of the I would say like two thousand one to two thousand seven emo type stuff. Not that screamo, like more metal influence, but um pure emo we'd say midwest emo so to speak oh yes uh, um, sunny day is yeah. all, that all day my number three is an, another record for 2015 this is like the comeback record after a 10 10 year hiatus by slater kinney called no cities to love 
Um, they released Woods, which was critically acclaimed in 2005. Then they took a 10-year hiatus and came back with this one. No Cities to Love is like more, it's like beefier and it's like cleaner production and it's just more of like, aggressive isn't the right word, but like it just packs more of a punch. And if you don't know Slayer Kinney, uh, check him out. Like one of the best all-female bands like in in American history. So um, my number two is one of those sentimental picks, which I was going to put Slayer Kinney above it, but it has to be number two still. This is the third record from The Shins. So this is like The Shins record people don't talk about. It's called Wincing the Night Away. It came out in 2007. Um, huge record, you know, whatever that was, my sophomore year of college. Uh, I put it on and I was like immediately transported back to being 19 years old because I was listening to this record all the time. And my number one... Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's either the first or second most successful record ever released in Sub Pop. Another ubiquitous record that was in every dorm room when I was in college. 2003's Postal Service record, Give Up. Um, second best selling. Okay, which is Ben Gibbard from the um, Death Cab for Cutie and Dintel, who is a producer, DJ type dude. Um, such great heights, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was just. This album changed this, everybody's life yeah, and changed yeah. music production right. as we know it. It was like, oh, indie indie emo kind of nerdy stuff over like skittery electronic stuff. Like uh, video game. Uh, right. That album, I clear before mm-hmm. and after music from that record. Yeah, very, sleeping very in. important. Like it's it's. There's a lot of good good songs on that. Good. Um, it's my favorite Ben Gibbard thing. And yeah, Give Up is just like, it was a huge album. Again, another record I hadn't listened to in 15 years, but um, a really good record. I yeah. strongly agree. Very good. Very, very good. Michael, do you want to go next? Do you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, no. I can go. Mine will be quick. I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> Michael picked two records. For I'm gonna... some reason, I thought it was two records. I don't know. It was a communication error on you my part. I should have. I should have. Yeah, I should have. Uh, but I have. I do have a third one. So in my back pocket. So let's hear it. Uh, these are in no particular order. I'm going to agree with Jeff's number five as my number three. I'm going to go with I Love You, Honey Bear by um, Father John Misty. This album came out in 2015. Uh, this was an album that my my now wife, then girlfriend at the time, uh, bought, and we listened to this record all the time, all the time. This was the soundtrack to making breakfast uh, breakfast <laughs> Sunday mornings. It was to the point where I was getting real sick can, of it. Can you order a breakfast in a Father John Misty voice? Um, <laughs> no, I can't. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Yes, you can. Uh, nice I want it. maple syrup. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Pancakes. Thank you. Scrambled. Beat them hard. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Master Impressionist, for those who don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a great album. I love it. I really do. It's it's a very sentimental record. I think it's his second release uh, as a solo artist. His first release after the departure from Fleet Foxes, I believe. Second. Yeah. Second, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love it, man. I love you, Honey Bear. That that opening uh, Chateau Lobby number four, uh, in C for two virgins is the second track. I do love that. Um, Bored in the USA is a great song. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff on here. So I enjoy that, and it's really the, for the sentimentality of the record. Um, the third one in my back pocket that I will not say is my actual number one is Black Moon Spell <clears throat> by King Tough. Uh, it was a very fitting album because right around that time it was when uh my now wife and girlfriend uh would travel up to vermont for our vacations and uh you know king tough was the appropriate artist to listen to whilst uh, gallivanting around the green mountains you bought them on cd i did i did buy them on cd i did i did and uh yeah it's great it's uh you know it's fuzzed out psyche garagey rocky goodness this is my favorite version of king tough i love this i do love was dead but for me this is the album has the great like um like stoner opener black moon spell yeah and then it's has just so good it's grooving you really know great, like, like power pop song power yeah. pop garage flavored songs on there all around great album and then really my number one um is is bleach by nirvana it just has to be the one for me i mean about a girl's on there love buzz paper cuts Negative Creep, I mean, literally the entire track listing is awesome for me. I love it. I love it. I love it. There are, like, motorheady moments on there. There's thrashy moments on there. There's sludgy moments on there. Uh, this is pre-Dave Grohl. This is what the original drummer. 
uh, I just love it. And I was really never a big guy. I mean, Nevermind was the big album. And then I had a buddy who was into Nirvana. He introduced me to In Utero, and I really, really dug that as well. And then I went back and listened to Bleach, and I was like, holy shit, I really, really like this record. So there you have it. I have at least three. So there you go. My- Michael is uh, more on the metal train than he is on the indie train. So we yes, will have to do a, like, a, a metal record label rundown metal one blade. day. There you go. We'll do the best of Metal Blade. Nuclear Blast. Um, Into the moat. Were they a Metal Blade? Oh, they were they. <laughs> I think they were technical math core death. There you go. Something. Death core, math core. Death core, math core, whatever it is. Thanks to the math homework. Green um, jacket, gold jacket. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> Here are my five favorite sub-pop albums of the moment. I'm sure that's going to change at some point. Um, I'm going to start off with number five uh, with Bully's oh, yeah. Sugar Egg. Um, I believe that record is over there on the wall. Um, Bully's Sugar Egg came out in 2020. Uh, I really, really love this record. Uh, Bully is a one-person band, essentially. Uh, it's a female-fronted, and um, it's really, really cool. Grungy, 90s throwback. I really, really like it. If I remember correctly, I think we did review that Around yes. the time when it came out, we talked about it in an audio-only episode. I believe so. Check out our backlog. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Bully's uh, Sugar Egg. I really like that. I think it's more of a the modern what's going on at Sub Pop, and Bully's one of those uh, artists that's really on the precipice of like uh, of rock and roll right now. I really, really like that record. Very '90s vibe and very, very, very awesome. So I'm going to go to number four now, and we are going to do Man Man right behind Michael's head. This album is on Oni Pond. Um, I was with somebody in a record store, and it perked their ears, and they were like, what is this? And then the more I listened to it, I was like, I got to have this now. Um, That is Man Man, the project of singer Honus Honus. Uh, (laughs) Check it out. Um, Man Man is avant-garde pop um, orchestration madness. It's like Queen, if you Threw it through every like modern indie rock band filter. Um, so tell me the album cover with a ghost wearing a backpack is avant garde. Yes, <laughs> um, it's like a fun pop album with like very strange avant garde lyrics and like um, crazy instrumentations that you don't hear in kind of like normal like Zappa esque. Yes, yeah. very Zappa esque. Um, check out the songs about Wolf Blitzer. Um, <laughs> Running. Really there's multiple songs. No, there's a there's a song on here about Wolf Blitzer becoming a werewolf and uh, kidnapping babies. Um, there's a song about getting your inner Danzig uh, on. It's about it, that's a fact. That's a that's, that's a just journalism. Yeah, it's just journalism. Um, and check out the clip of Wolf Blitzer talking about that song on his show. It's very funny. Oh my um, god. So check that out. It's uh, on Oni Pond uh, that came out in 2013. So um, really great sub-pop release. I really love that record. I am then going to go to um, Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge by Mud Honey. This is a... 1991 release from Sub Pop. It's probably Mud Honey's most like accessible kind of record. Uh, Super Fuzz Big Muff is probably the release that's probably the most critically acclaimed of theirs. The EP that got extended into an album. Um, but every good boy deserves fudge was going to be like their major label send off. They were going to go. Um, they stayed with Sub Pop and stood by their. Uh, their people and stayed indie and that's probably their most like a uh, acclaimed release. I really like it. It's very sludgy um, and like grungy in not like the radio friendly way, what we know, but more like Nirvana's first record. And um, I really like the sound on it. It's mm. grungy. Great. Awesome. Check it out. And more of the original sub pop sound. Uh, what am I up to? I'm number going two. to go to number two. And I'm going to match Jeffrey with the Postal Service's Give Up. Um, Again, like I said, when Jeff said it, it, there was a clear before and after, like everybody's music before this. A lot of people um, really started to embrace keyboards in the indie world in a big way that used to be guitar people. Uh, Ben Gibbard, singer for the um, Death Cab for Cutie, really changed up um, stylistically and I think gave everybody a new paint set to work with. This album influenced like almost everything that came after uh the postal services give up and that turns 20 years old this year oh yes and then that brings me to number one 
where I'm going to match Mike. Uh, my favorite Sub Pop release is the number one selling Sub Pop record of all time. It is Nirvana's first album, Bleach. I love this record. It's so like near and dear to me for a lot of reasons. It's probably one of the most like outsidery um, records I can think of. It has like all that good stuff like the Ramones first album had about being an outsider and being in that mindset of who they are. Um, it's a powerful statement. The production on it is dry and brutal and assaulting. Mm. has some of the best drumming, drum sounds, tom sounds. It's just so... Um, took everything that Black Flag's My War had and I think everything that Sonic Youth had going for it and Dinosaur Jr. And really made it so palatable and... Um, more aggressive than any of those bands had really gone before. Um, I'm going to shout out No Recess, um, a childhood screaming that you can't go to recess. Um, I think everybody's felt that. I think you can relate to it. Negative Creep on there, one of the best Nirvana songs in my opinion. Um, total outside ethos in about three lines. Um, and yeah, this is also a shout out to the like four line song where you only wrote four lines and they're really profound and really hard hitting. Um, yeah. It's a great record. I could talk about it for like an hour straight. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, Nirvana's Bleach. This yeah. has been uh, Get in the Garage covers sub pop records. Yes, it has. What are some of your favorite sub pop releases? Do you like Sub Pop? Are you an indie person? Are you like me, where you looked at the list and you're like, I don't know any of these records? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, and uh, yeah. Absolutely. Gentlemen. This has been a, this another has been, episode. It's been another episode. Another one in the books, guys. Before we go, as always, like, comment, subscribe. Tell a. Oh, what was it? An educator. You gotta an tell an educator. educator. Tell an educator. Thank you all so very much for your support. Until next Down. week. Well, this has been Get in the Garage.